Listeners, you're listening to 33.3 FM, and we are once again uh, looking abroad to uh, get a sense of the occult undergrounds the world over. Now, um, there's sort of a history of a lack of communication between various occult undergrounds, even between countries that share the same language, never mind uh, when you bring the language barrier into things. So we've been trying to put in a concerted effort into... uh, talking to various checkers, chargers, and the like uh, that we can get a hold of abroad to try to make this whole occult underground thing a bit less Amerocentric and to a broader degree a bit less Western-centric. Because that you will about the writings that exist for the war game, they tend to focus on America and Europe. And you, you forgot Australia. I can't believe you've got Australia after my two episodes. There's very oh little God. Australia stuff in there, Thompson. There's, Fine. there's like as minutes. much Canada stuff as there is Australia stuff. It's, that's fair. So, you've been making some arrangements recently to I have. talk to someone from Russia's occult underground. Am I right? Uh, yes, you're right. Um, so, to get, today, in the studio with us, we have um, our... Expert on the Russian occult underground, uh, Toasty. How's it going, Toasty? Welcome to the show. Hi, I am Russian, so I hate everybody, but it's for you, my comrades. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's the plan for today, guys? So, uh, we prepared um, some, some questions, some um, topics of discussion. It's interesting because I know that... These are going to be topics of discussion that we thought of when we think of like cult underground in Russia, but we're coming at it from the like the Western point of view. So sure. there might be things that we've missed. There might be some important things that we haven't asked about. Um, but to like, to, we'll see as as we go. And the first thing, especially, well, actually, not maybe not for the wider public. Maybe the wider public isn't as aware. But for people who like weird shit, like we do. We do like our weird shit. It's common knowledge that there is a lot of, or there was a lot of, or there still is to an extent, since the fall of the Soviet Union, quite a few strange and interesting cults out in the wilderness of Russia. Um, Some of these might be interesting because we're not familiar with them, but um, what's going on with the cults? Oh, uh, cults in Russia and also in Soviet Union uh, is a great deal because uh, after the corruption of uh, Soviet Union, when it adds, uh, people in Russia feel a deep uh, spiritual hollowness, and they want to fill it with something, like, you know, um, religion or other stuff, and then, back in the beginning of the 90s, cults pop up like uh, mushrooms after the rain, and there are tons of weird, real weird stuff. 
some 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 kind of budget crazy uh, cults that, uh, for example, worships cedars, uh, cedars trees uh, that are like great antennas that provides cosmic energy to the earth and uh, allow it to live and thrive. And sometimes special people should uh, cut them down to collect this energy and uh, life forever. Uh, you know, uh, if you want to read about more about it, you can find even books uh, that describes uh, basic basic points of this uh, quasi religion. Hmm. Uh, yes, uh, Vladimir Migre uh, is the author of these books. Uh, he describes his uh, travel into Russian woods, where he met uh, the goddess called Anastasia, uh, and they have uh, two children, and uh, she taught uh, <coughs> she taught him. Uh, about cedars and uh, their uh, cosmic powers. It can sound uh, really stupid, like, you know, uh, the ordinary guy go to woods and uh, here fuck the goddess, but... Uh, that doesn't sound stupid. That sounds like a great time it. in the woods. That's, that sounds like a good camping trip. <laughs> It, it, it sounds stupid, and uh, on the other hand, it sounds great. Yeah, it sounds know. like it's, a uh, pretty uh, standard <laughs> cult-founding myth. I mean, I can't think of how many cult, UFO cults I know of in the U.S. that are like... Their inciting incident of the mythology is like, and then the UFO yeah. beamed me up to the, their ship, and they presented to me a beautiful Nordic woman. And they were like, we're going to travel the galaxy, but also... First, you need to fill me with like a dozen babies. So, like, I, I, yeah, I think this is just it, kind it, of like a very. Cool. Yeah, I mean, like, I yeah, get it. it. It's a fun cool. story, it's, uh, especially to it's the founder. It's commonly. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, kind of a bit ordinary and uh, it's, a, it's a base of the, uh, any, yeah. Yeah. almost any cult. But I don't remember any religion that starts that I go to woods and there I fuck a woman. Uh, so it's kind of stupid. Yes, uh, I the, can think of a uh, few. If you gave me a bit human... of time, I could probably think of a few that. <laughs> basically maybe I'd be jealous. <laughs> I mean, my understanding is that Russia sort of has a long history of these sort of fringe religious sects. I mean, the things that sort of come to mind are like, I mean, like these are pre-Soviet, mind you, but like the old believers, the killists. Which oh, are yes, most yes, famously yeah. um, Rasputin was a member of the Skopsky to kind of bring things to something uh, more role playing adjacent in a weird way. So it, it seems like uh, Russia has a long history of this stuff. I'd imagine a lot of those groups, oh yes, if yes. they existed at all, went underground during the uh, reign of the Soviet Union. But it, it, yeah, it doesn't just seem to be a recent thing. It seems like something that has been happening for a long time. Yeah, uh, and uh, I think that the most weird cult in Russia is the Soviet Union. All right. It's by itself. All because, right. Interesting. Because when it uh, took out uh, and cut uh, the people of Russia from religion, it give, uh, gave them uh, the new religion. And, okay, now we haven't got crosses and uh, don't believe in Jesus, but we have a cult of a sacrificial death of Yaswan. So, uh, you know, there was a pioneers, uh, something like Boy Scouts in America, uh -huh, yeah. when young guys uh, trained to serve its uh, country and uh, its <clears throat> motherland. 
Uh, and in the period of war, and even before it, uh, in the period of the Civil War and uh, World War II, uh, there was a cult of death of pioneers. And really? Really, really, yes. There are a lot of stories about uh, deeds of the pioneers who, for example, were partisans and uh, fought against Nazis. And oftenly these stories were full of details of gruesome death of pioneer. Or, for example, a uh, lot of them got caught by Nazis and uh, tortured to death. And the stories, like, you know, maybe the whole point of the story was to describe how gruesome was their death. And uh, it was a symbol of uh, stoicism, of toughness of Russian people uh, who can survive, who can uh, endure sure. all tortures, die and uh, don't betray their motherland and their people. And the whole story of Soviet Union was connected with the stories. It sounds really creepy. It does. Like so, these so later after the war, you mentioned that they were a bit similar to Boy Scouts, right? Um, so would they have? Ah, uh, yes, yes. So now I'm just imagining. So like, I'm imagining like Boy Scouts like around a fire talking about stories, and so these are the kind of stories that they would be telling each other in this situation. Just the stories of uh, dying. Against the Nazis. Just to clarify, you're talking about the Young Pioneers, right? Yes, yes. Uh, organization you're referring to. Okay, I just want to clarify that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know they're not stories. I know they're true stories, but um, they would discuss, they, this was like what they would talk about around the campfire. No, no. It's it's the most interesting part. Uh, because uh, these stories was a kind of a propaganda for not only for young people, but for all peoples of Soviet Union in the Peace War. It was important uh, to show the... Um, toughness of spirit, uh, the strength of spirit of uh, people who fought against Nazis. But a few years uh, after, when uh, all the war stuff uh, go down and people trying to live normally, there was uh, some kind of evolution, like in Pokemons, you know, we take <laughs> the stories about pioneer deaths, yes. and now uh, in the setting of World War II, and now we should... Uh, Tell this, uh, these stories in the other setting, where no war. And the pioneers really uh, told the story. Uh, it's called uh, Strashilki, like something, goosebumps stories of uh, Stein and uh, creepy rhymes. Uh, it's really short uh, rhymes uh, with a bit sadistic uh, <laughs> uh, content in it. Like uh, some uh, young guy found a machine gun and kill all in his uh, own village. And uh, it's sort of funny, yeah, really. I, I, even my, I, I uh, heard this in my childhood, and uh, we love these uh, rhymes, we love the stories. Uh, we have a really great uh, folklore, folklore <laughs> school stories about uh, some kind of strange and occult events that happened with... Uh, young uh, guys, uh, girls, and who tried to survive in the situation when some occult uh, shit tried to kill them. Wow. <laughs> like, you know, uh, we have a, some strange construct that called a coffin on wheels. 
really it's uh, just a coffin on wheels uh, who starts uh, children and uh, then they receive a call on the telephone uh, and some strange voice says that uh, literally you have left uh, four minutes I'm already in your city and looking for your street uh, it was a Wow. Very old stories. It, it, yeah, yes, uh, I think that uh, the uh, Ring series yes. just uh, <laughs> copy pasted this. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a very classic sort of urban legend uh, framework. Yeah, yeah. Have... It's, yes, it, it, it kind of frames the story itself as sort of a info hazard almost. Where it's like, okay, if you follow the instructions in this story, then you're gonna get this too. I guess so it, and, works. Uh, it works. It works. We can find a lot of uh, a lot of trails to the stories about Peñor's death in these stories because, uh, okay, uh, some urban legends uh, that I heard from America or another are focused on uh, suspense that uh, don't do the something uh, bad thing uh, mm -hmm. and nothing uh, will uh, happen with you. Or... But these stories are focused on gore of uh, death. <laughs> and All right. it's wow. kind of yeah yeah no uh, you just can't imagine that uh, two guys or uh, girls uh, eight years old uh, tell that how uh, other guy uh, fell down and uh, the main point is that to say uh, what exactly happened with him uh, uh, where his hands where his head how much blood and other All stuff right. but, right. yeah uh, no I can absolutely imagine eight year olds doing that it all that sort of shit. Yeah, yeah. C cult of Death is uh, one of the um, in the foundation of uh, Russian stories uh, and Russian religion. It's very important for it, and it's the main uh, main differences between Russia and uh, other some other countries. Interesting. All right. Death all right. is so something something that unites us all. And uh, literally, even uh, when there are no Soviet Union or some propaganda, it's feels like anything around you prepares you for death and maybe some gruesome death. It was creepy, but I think that uh, it can help some youth uh, children to survive in uh, Russia of uh, perestroika time for in the early 90s and early uh, of the new millennium years. It's interesting because like when you think of like some stories like western stories um that are now very tame and they're not not that scary like uh, hansel and gretel and things like that in the original stories because it was hard to live um the original stories were very gruesome like the witch would eat the children and all that but over yeah. the course of the 19th and 20th centuries in the uk and america those stories became more and more safe not child safe but like safe for parents who were scared of traumatizing their children but originally they were no the, the kids were telling the terror the, the the really gruesome version of that those stories were kind of in a sense intended to traumatize kids yes in the past because it's like that's how they stick with you right <laughs> it's like all right yeah cinderella sure that story doesn't include the bit about the um, I believe it's Cinderella that includes a bit about the stepmother being forced to dance wearing shoes made of uh, red-hot iron at the end. I, I know oh, it's in one of those yes. Grimm's fairy tales. I forget yeah. which exactly. But, I mean, like, that that's an extremely evocative detail that is going to, like, 
stick with you in the sense of like, yeah, what well, if someone someone does something horribly unjust, then yeah, they're going to receive a gruesome punishment. Here's how gruesome this punishment is. That's how you remember it happening. Or don't go out in the woods, asshole. Otherwise, a witch is going to eat you. I'm going to spend the next five minutes talking about how she picks you apart and then, you know, picks at her teeth with your femur bones. But it seems to me that based yeah. on what Toasty was saying, this like because those sort of stories are like warnings, like don't do this, or they're yeah. like... Um, but it seems like based on what you're saying, Toasty, it's more like getting people to accept that death is everywhere. Is that about right? Yeah, death is everywhere and it's unexpectable. <laughs> Kids love gruesome shit. They, 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 want, they get an excuse to like spend five minutes in de- talking in depth about what happens to a corpse. They're gonna fucking relish that opportunity. Sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, really. Uh, I have seen uh, Corpse on Two uh, when I was uh, really young. <laughs> Even when I don't go to school, it was really interesting. Yes, to yeah. poke it, uh, to watch uh, what happens. It's, uh, but now I realize that it was a bit, bit stupid and a bit crazy. <laughs> but it sounds fun. That stuff's still there in the United States, and <laughs> yeah, I like, yeah. but like weirdly, stories about that sort of incident are more stories about childhood targeted at adults. I think of stuff like Stand by Me. Oh, the movie, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, just like yeah, a I bunch thought... of kids going on a journey, on an adventure to go see a dead body and poke at it for a little bit. You don't see that in kids' movies very much, but you see a lot of that sort of stuff in movies about childhood. Targeted at adults. Oh, yeah. There, there are a lot of uh, some creepy stuff in childhood, and you know, like, uh, like in the second book, the second core book of Unknown Army said that uh, children plays uh, are like something, an old and forgotten uh, rituals uh, that performed by children and helped the world to continue <laughs> his existing. Um, then to release some of these games and some of the stories sounds like good instructions for how make a world continue to exist through uh, bloody sacrifices and stuff, you know. Uh, <laughs> That's very, uh, like the Aztecs, in a way. Uh, I mean, I think most religions have some sort of concept of sacrifice. Sa- Even oh, if yeah, we're broadening yeah. religion... To sort of what you were talking about earlier, Toasty, of like sort of the Soviet quote-unquote civic religion. There's, I think there's this very pervasive sense in human psychology of you don't get something out of nothing. Oh, uh, yes. I want to continue something about uh, cults and in okay. modern yep. Russia. Uh, so we talked about, yes, we talked about uh, Soviet Union and uh, the Soviet point of view on the world was uh, the main cult and main death and bloody cults. There was uh, one point I have on that, actually. for Something I was reading about, and I was reading about the God-building movement um, among the early Bolsheviks, um, who believed that the Soviet Union needed to create its own religion similar to the cult of reason in the French Revolution. Yeah, that's what comes to mind when you talk about something like that, yeah. It was rejected in the end in favor of just... um, Soviet atheism, but it's interesting to me that there could have been in the occult underground of the early Soviets, there could have been people who were like, no, we need to build the Soviet god. 
that would be a nice <laughs> cosmic objective. Oh yeah, yeah, it, it sounds really cool uh, because uh, it's an interesting dichotomy uh, and distant dualism of the Soviet Union that it's uh, literally reject all the religious stuff. Mm-hmm. No, uh, you know that uh, uh, Gagarin was in space and uh, he's seen uh, he's seen no gods. Oh, yeah. other stuff that tries to show the common people that science is a very great deal and there are no uh, such kinds of miracles and other stuff. But even the stories of death uh, was um, a point about uh, the great uh, acts of heroism. And sometimes uh, it's kind of, uh, oh yeah, he died and died gruesome, but uh, he killed... Uh, Many Nazis, like, uh, you know, he tasted a Faust Patron and uh, stopped, uh, not stopped, uh, just kicked uh, the 20 or 30 Nazis with it uh, and with his bare hands. But then he died. Yeah. Okay, that's the story. And uh, it was a kind of miracle of the Soviet man Mm. who uh, uh, gave his blood but do something uh, miraculous, something freaky maybe uh but something uh great also so it was a mm, tries to replace uh, the biblical uh miracles for people who want to have miracles in their lives it seems to me that like the soviet union is a good example but like any almost any political ideology um or even just national spirit has a, a bit of that of like religion in there um, and how yeah. much religions in there depend like varies. I think the Soviet Union and the United States are both politically quite religious. They were like, because um, both uh, like the Soviet Union had like uh, Marx, Engels, Lenin, and all that, and the U.S. has founding fathers. So they're like founders of the religion. There's holy texts. There's uh, miracles. There's all these things. And those elements are definitely always strong in any sort of uh, political or national consciousness, but probably particularly strong yeah. in the in the, in the uh, Soviet Union because uh, it was officially atheist. And you see that also, the same thing happens in other communist countries like uh, like historically China and um, North Korea currently. It's, it, it gets real religious-y. Yeah, yeah. Uh, religion, even uh, if uh, communist countries tries to... Mm, reject the religion they all of them are based on some kind of religious view on, on the world still you know we have a mummy of the lenin in the central of uh, in the heart of our country <laughs> just on the red square the mausoleum where you can just go and see uh, the body of lenin <laughs> and uh, really it's uh, wasn't planned uh, if you know uh, start when lenin dies died uh, they just want to show him for a few days, and uh, the way he was uh, mummified uh, wasn't perfect. Mm. And now, really, uh, Lenin is something like an uh, Argo ship uh, from the Greek mythos. Uh, like some parts of Lenin are just uh, replaced with a replica, and uh, how much of Lenin is uh, exists right now, we don't know. We don't know. The Lenin of Theseus. Uh, Yes, yes. If all parts of Lenin will be uh, exchanged for something other... That's really interesting, because I know that they send Lenin's uh, 
these days they send it to Vietnam because the Vietnamese are apparently the experts now because they've been managing Ho Chi Minh. I know recently they sent it for Vietnam for touching up. Um, I wonder how oh. many like relics of Lenin there are floating around, like both real le- relics and fake relics of Lenin there are floating around the uh, occult underground. Like shards of the original cross? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, really, uh, but uh, we should know that the torso of Lenin is uh, real. Uh, it's a real one thing, and it's still in mausoleum. Other parts, uh, quite not uh, real. That just sounds like it's one of the more powerful artifacts. You get, if you steal the ribcage of uh, Lenin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I think that the body of Lenin is uh, one of the great symbols that communism and Soviet Union can uh, just uh, sure. resurrect one day. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, like in Simpsons uh, series when uh, we push the button and uh, all the stuff turns in tanks and yep. uh, fighters, air fighters, and Lenin just stands uh, in this, his glass coffin and start to rule again. Yeah, starts groaning like Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think that uh, parts of Lenin's body is really a great artifacts in uh, occult underground. You know, the Lenin is a really big deal in Russia, mm-hmm. and Rasputin is not. Uh, you know, if you want to uh, know if is this Russian a pony or something like a charger or uh, even a checker, you just can ask him about Rasputin. Mm, interesting. Uh, yeah, yes, yes. Rasputin is kind of marker of a pony. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Don't tell, but say about Rasputin because he is just uh, something like uh, ponies. Oh, Rasputin, Rasputin! No, no. There was a lot of other things that are great and strange and creepy, wired. And Rasputin is just one who have a good PR manager. Mm. So that would be that would be a good identity for an early Soviet Union game. Former PR manager for Rasputin. There you go. Um, that's a good. That's a good identity. Of course I know how to survive purges. <laughs> of course. So, uh, the early 90s uh, was really rich on cults. Uh, like, you know, we have uh, our own white brotherhood uh, real organization that's called Bele Bratstva, uh, or White Brotherhood, uh, who was led by an uh, Ukrainian, if I, if I remember correctly, it's an Ukrainian uh, woman. And her name, after she founded uh, this cult, was uh, Maria Devi Christos. Uh, as, uh, it's a combination of uh, name of Godmother, uh, the Hinduism name of God, the Devi, uh, Deva, and the name of Christ. She also have a lot of titles like uh, Daenerys, <laughs> literally like Daenerys. She is... Uh, 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 Lightbringer, uh, the foundation of uh, transgalactic uh, culture of Golden Age, and etc., etc., etc. Really, uh, sh- <laughs> shitload of names. I wrote them on a paper. It's uh, <laughs> like a half on a sheet. <laughs> wow. Uh, and I, <laughs> I, I just can't uh, read it in English because it's uh, something strange. Yeah. So it was a, a really. Uh, it's just standard uh, apocalyptic cult where people uh, comes for with deep feeling of that the end is nigh and uh, they try to find 
the way to salvation. And uh, the most interesting thing that it uh, really was a great uh, cult in the 90s uh, and it's connect people from uh, many countries of uh, former Soviet Union and it was one of the first cults in uh, post-Soviet Russia. Mm. And why it's famous? It uh, starts suddenly, it suddenly uh, became popular and after a few years it's also uh, just poof and vanished. Uh, there was a f- few uh, really um, uh, uh, there are few uh, conflicts with the government and even uh, with uh, police, uh, but it's really famous. But because it was a, one of the first and one of the biggest cults in uh, Russia these days. Uh, but uh, in the same time, there was few other cults that. Uh, less famous and uh, less classical, like you know, Apocalypse uh, will be a fearsome and uh, gruesome thing. Uh, you should prepare. Uh, there was some cults like uh, Alatra uh, or Ashram Shambhala. The first one is a cult that have even uh, video evidence of existence of reptiloids. Oh, natural reptiloids, yes. Uh, oh, great! Yeah, 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 Good yeah. Stuff. Uh, uh, nice. They uh, just put uh, it is a Janna, uh, and she's a, a reptiloid. Yes, you know, like in um, Men in Black films. Yep, uh, yep. You, 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 do, do you remember the first uh, scene, uh, scene when the uh, Egan J uh, chased uh, the cephalopoid and? Uh, first, he blinked with normal eyes, and then he blinked yes. with the other pie. I remember that scene. Yeah. So, literally, literally, there are videos with the same effect. Oh my god! <laughs> there, are, yes, it's uh, literally you can die from cringe <laughs> when you see it. But uh, back in these days, when uh, Alatra was uh, on the wave and uh, it was a bit famous. It was like, wow, literally, this is... Uh, what era was is this? Is this real? Was this in the 90s or later? Uh, no, 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 it was, um, if I remember correctly, it's in the period between uh, 2005 and 2010. Okay. Literally, uh, there was a put- Putin and uh, other stuff, but, you know, uh, in that time, uh, Russians wasn't uh, so fitted by... Uh, as a fix and uh, some of these uh, things uh, was really like uh, like you know graphic in the games uh, back <laughs> back then is a terrible now but uh, then you think whoa uh, think uh, is, is this a 3D okay uh, it's great and uh, these videos uh, have their effect uh, on some people uh-huh. And many of them joined Alatra and uh, just believed that uh, reptiloids or Anunnax uh, would uh, save us and give us some mm, a great and sacred oh. knowledge. Oh, oh, so they were pro-reptiloids. Okay. They, were, they liked the reptiloids. So that, that's, that's interesting, interesting. yeah. It, it's, it's not like, ah, oh, the reptiloids are 
ruling the secret no, no, world no, no, government. It's like, nah, Hitler these reptilians are great. We love them. We, we want them to save us. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, it's interesting. Like, uh, every 12,000 of years, Earth's, uh, like, uh, you know, um, uh, climatic catastrophes, uh, earthquakes, volcanoes, and other stuff, other natural stuff. Okay, and, okay. Uh, sort of like cosmic two, cycle. Two, Aztec shit, right? Like 2012 yeah, sort of shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the next cycle will be in, in the next year. So we All should right. prepare and yeah, something connect with the reptiloids and ask for some great knowledge, you know? Uh, may so, they grant us the mercy we so crave. <laughs> yes. And there are also uh, other sects, like uh, kind of neo-pagans in Russia, mm -hmm. who believe yeah. that uh, reptiloids and Anunnaks are bad and they secretly rules uh, the Earth. And previously, previously, uh, reptiloids fought with uh, proto-slavs people. Oh! For Earth. Is ah, that, so yeah. they don't... There's not uh, agreement on whether the reptiloids are good or bad. So, so, so uh, we, we, we have uh, uh, all kinds of uh, <laughs> reptiloids in Russia, so a good ones, a bad ones, and... Uh, I like the idea of the Russian occult underground having like a pro-reptiloid and anti-reptiloid sort of factions. Um, that's, that's quite fun. <laughs> I just like the idea of people that believe in the David Icke... Like, I know the David Icke shit's kind of different from this, but... To, for like a related idea, if you don't believe in the David Ike, you know reptilians rule the secret one world government, but are like still pro reptilian, are like yeah, you know we're hard to we're hard to manage. They're all all things considered, they're doing a pretty good job. So I, I'm pro reptilian, right? <laughs> that is uh, great. Uh, you know, there are also a lot of uh, neo pagans in Russia because it's uh, sounds really cool. You know, the old sure. gods. Uh, uh, bonfires, uh, yeah, beautiful fires, rose, uh, uh, yes, yes, body paint, etc. Yeah, 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 and also uh, a lot of swastika. Oh dear, you know it's a great so yes, it's a great solar symbol. I know it's uh, <laughs> real, but neo pagans in other parts of the world tend to have a fair amount of overlap with uh, sort of right wing movements. Is that also the case in Russia? Yeah, but right. uh, the, 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 the most interesting part is that, uh, you know, uh, there is no Slavic gods at all. So it's a really great uh, mystification of Russia that all texts about Slavic gods uh, are kind uh, of speculation. We have no records about what was uh, the real Slavic traditions and uh, what was the religion of Slavs. So uh, all things that you can find in the, on internet right now is kind of speculation. And some, sometimes it's just a lie. A lot of uh, stories was uh, written uh, in the uh, late 17th, uh, 70th uh, centuries uh, in, and the, it takes uh, a pattern from the Greek mythology, like you know, we need a god of love, a god of war, and a, a thunder god, and something like that. And just okay, okay, we have a good uh, images in the Greek mythology, and uh, you know, the, all the Europe loves Greek mythology. Okay, let's combine uh, Peron, Zeus, 
hey, we have a new god. But uh, on the other hand, uh, there are a lot of uh, names, a lot of traditions that are real. Mm -hmm. And so we have a strange amalgam of uh, uh, lies and truth in the Slav tradition. And uh, all neo-pagans believe that all of this uh, stuff are real. And sometimes it uh, leads to unpredictable uh, stuff like, you know, uh, you have three or two mythos on and uh, about one god. They tell us real different things that can be combined. But Neopagan says, eh, that's okay. okay. I take all of them. <laughs> yes. It's it's real, but uh, it's how mythology works in real life. Sure. Uh, so I can't say that they, listen, they are, they're wrong. Listen. If they weren't real, then why am I experiencing such vivid mystical visions? There you go. And why are the gods <laughs> yeah. speaking to me? Yeah, this is this is like pretty typical for like any sort of neo pagan movement because it's kind of the, the truth of the matter is any kind of pagan religion tends to not have a whole lot of primary sources associated with their doctrine because when they were Christianized, those sorts of materials were pretty actively repressed. Yeah, and suppressed, destroyed. Yeah, I just, I really like, I really like the fact that it's like first Russia adopts Greek Orthodox Christianity, and then several centuries later, they're like, you know what, we'll take Greek paganism as well. <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, it's uh, really nice, but also great uh, Russian tales, old Russian tales that uh, are not affected by Christians, uh, Christian, and it's great. It's really creepy and strange. And also, there was a cult of death in back in these times. <laughs> uh, like, you know, uh, any old uh, stories about uh, death and rebirth of a hero who should go for a travel to the underworld and uh, go back victorious. Oh, yeah, sort of the, the classic... Uh... Monomy, yes. Orpheus, it shows up in other yes, places. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And uh, all of uh, our tales, old tales, really old tales, uh, are about such travel. You know, we have a special, um, few special places in uh, real Russian mythology about, uh, like, a gates to the death world. Uh, one of them is a, a river Smarodina. Uh, it's <laughs> Rika Smarodina. It's uh, kind of strange stuff because uh, on English it will be called Smelly, Smelly River, uh, because uh, it's made of sulfur. Ah. It's a real sulfur river, yes. And uh, the Kalinov Most uh, through this river, uh, it's a mm, hot iron bridge. Because Sulfur River uh, hits a bridge and it's made of iron and it's really uh, red and hot and the hero should go through it to reach the underworld. And uh, the other uh, place is uh, wood. We love wood uh, because there are a lot ton tons of food in Russia. You know uh, Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, the nickname of John Wick. <laughs> okay, it's uh, not just a boogeyman. Mm. It's an uh, old woman, half death, half, half death, uh, you know. Uh, she had a bone leg, uh, she had a uh, yes, crooked nose, and she's uh, 
some kind of guardian on the uh, of the underworld and the world of death and the wake world. So uh, often uh, heroes and protagonists of the tales should meet the Baba Yaga to achieve their goal. Sometimes uh, she is antagon antagonistic and sometimes she is helpful uh, because often Baba Yaga gives the uh, hero some gifts like, you know, a uh, ball of yarn that can lead you to, uh, some, to your goal or a uh, magic mirror that can uh, be uh, broken and there are a lake before you that uh, nobody can cross. So, and uh, this uh, image is have strong connection with uh, all Russian country because uh, through these tales, you know, we also think, ah, this is a good something. It can give you some gifts, and <laughs> you know, uh, and these uh, images are real and true Slavic. You know, uh, you can find it in uh, tales of Russian, Ukrainian, and other uh, Slavs uh, people. And it's common for all uh, Slavs uh, people. So, and what, this, 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 yes, yes, this images are real one, and uh, not uh, uh, that we can uh, debate about this. Yes, they are real, and they exist in Slavs mythology. And the gods, gods are taken from other mythologies, and it's uh, kind of really sounds <laughs> funny, like you, you said. We take uh, Christians from Greece, and after a few centuries, okay, and guts too. Your guts are pretty good. That's that's pretty funny. Um, so you're saying that, like, maybe, like, so whatever the real original Slavic religion was, like, whatever's left of it, you can probably get from those sort of stories. Um, but the actual details on gods and whatnot, that's all just taken yeah. from the Greeks. Or... or Inspired by the Greeks. Yes, inspired by the Greeks, because all the stuff uh, that was created after, uh, in the last uh, in the last centuries, uh, are just created from the other mythologies, because when we have, uh, 1,200 years ago, when the uh, Prince Vladimir bapti uh, baptized the Russia, uh, he destroys all uh, records about old religion and you know there wasn't uh, yes uh, people uh, just don't use uh, some writing system to inscribe uh, how they uh, worship their gods and uh, now all we know is uh, what we can uh, read in the uh, documents of the Vladimir <laughs> who destroys the paganism in Russia so it's uh, kind of only one point of view on this. Yeah, that's I, I that's really interesting. I always think of it as like it's similar to what happened to uh, records on the Druids in Western Europe because most of what we've got about what their religion was is just Roman sources or Christian sources that yeah, tr it's not trustworthy. Anything about Carth Carthage, anything about the Carthaginian the Carthaginian religion yeah. is dodgy because it's the Romans talking shit. And there's a lot of examples of that. It's interesting. Yeah, and uh, back to the reptiloids and reptilians. We also have <laughs> one strange uh, organization. It's not a cult. What, uh, 
it's it's a one of the most point it's not a cult it's a public movement that All literally right. believes yes it really believes that more than six thousand years ago egyptian priests if i'm uh, remember correctly 22 egyptian priests the Moses, the biblical uh, Moses from Bible, was a, yep. a real Egyptian priest, not a prince or something like that. He was a, a Egyptian priest, and these priests want to take the rule over the world. They make Jews their sleeping agents and okay. uh, push them. Wait, wait, to... wait, wait. So, so this <laughs> posits that. The Jewish religion were just sleeper agents of Egyptian priests. Uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so okay, that's it, fucking wild. And that that Moses was yes, an, be, also an Egyptian priest. Yeah, and yeah. Was he, was, he was a priest. As his assets. Yes, you know uh, the story about uh, the miraculous feeding in the desert uh, when the uh, Jew, yeah, yeah. Jewish people uh, wandered the desert and Moses. Uh, feed them with the um, gift of God, uh, gift of, yeah, of God. Yeah. In fact, it wasn't uh, true because Egypt pri Egypt priests give him gave him uh, food for Jewish people in the night, and uh, there was a uh, something like a caravan uh, that was loaded with food that follows the trail of Jewish people in the desert. And That's, in the night, the Moses comes. Uh, yes, yes, uh, yes. Uh, it's uh, called a conception of uh, public security, and in Russian, it's uh, similar uh, for the nickname of Stalin, Kob, Koba. Uh, so uh, they really believe in that, and after that, uh, Jews take over the world. Oh, three hundred and a well, half. Uh, <laughs> of clans that uh, uh, have uh, all the riches of the world and they rule uh, normal people uh, through transnational uh, for the worldwide uh, things like corporations organizations uh, you know uh, that united nations is a project of egyptian priests this is that... one of the more elaborate anti-Semitic mythologies I've heard. This is wild. This is the, uh, the idea that, okay, there's an international Jewish conspiracy, but it's it's a the... fake. It's a front for the Egyptians. That's amazing. No. Never heard yeah, of like yeah. that. The entire Old Testament is pro-Jewish propaganda. <laughs> yeah. But the Jews are actually controlled by a sect of ancient Egyptian priests going back millennia. Okay. You, you know, I, I just uh, give you a... Okay, an image, okay, okay. A scheme, so, here's a scheme a, in a chart. so I'm looking at this chart that... I'm looking at your chart, Yana. So in the middle here of this pyramid, you got, you got the Jews, right? And above that, you got a spider web. What's the spider web? Oh, so spider web is a, a, a psionic... Uh, government of the world okay 
Yeah. Okay. So, so, so like that, that. So you got the Jews, you got the one world government, and then you got the Eye of Providence. And I assume the Eye of Providence is the Egyptian priest. Yeah. Yes. So it's a uh, four okay. stage conspiracy, okay. but but it's not at all. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, in this theory. Uh, all, uh, I appreciate that they gave me a pyramid because they can't read the rest of the shit. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I don't know. Uh, it, it should be authentic. Uh, there are no translation. It should be authentic. You know. No. Yeah. Exactly. I I know this isn't. I I know this is like locally sourced to the Russian internet. I've seen so many similar charts in English. Uh, but, yes. not, but not like this. Not with this detail. This 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 special. Yeah, detail. I've seen this level of de- I've seen this oh. level of detail before. Not, not with Just... the detail that it's the Egyptians. Not with the Egyptians at the top. <laughs> yes, not with the Egyptian priests at the top. I do pre. It's it's in a sense a very straightforward explanation for the Eye of Providence symbol as the one world government. It's like, oh, of course they use the Eye of Providence. They've been using it since they Egypt, were yeah. ancient Egyptian priests. Yeah, and there's a direct line of secession to that institution. All right, sure. This guy's beliefs in the uh, golden billion. That's uh, uh, the the pop, pop, uh, <clears throat> there should be only one billion of people on the world, and uh, only this way the planet can survive. Uh, also, they found uh, the classical symbol of uh, e- Egyptian or mercenary uh, influence on government is, uh, uh, you know, pyramid on the one dollar bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a classical. So we just uh, don't. Uh, I, I should mention it, but not, but uh, this theory is popular in Russia uh, that uh, there's a golden billion. Sometimes it uh, sounds like there should be one billion people on Earth, and sometimes it's there are one billion of people who controls all other. So all uh, right, I mean that's like class. one in eight, one in nine. That's not that's a, like, that's a big conspiracy. That exclusive. <laughs> that's not that exclusive. So and to clarify here, the um, the one world government uh, Jewish Egyptian priest conspiracy is opposed by the reptiloids, correct? Yes, yes, yes. They also fought uh, reptiloids because. Uh, there are a some, 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 uh, something like a global predictor. It's uh, okay, the, okay. A, some kind of entity that rules even the Egyptian priests. And maybe this also rules. Oh, and okay. nobody knows. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, another so level of conspiracy. Be, yeah, yeah, the reptiloids could just be a fucking coordinated front. Could just be controlled opposition yeah, yeah. of the one world government. Ah, oh, damn. Yes, and and Russian people can uh, resist because they have some kind of uh, special genetics. So uh, it's really weird stuff. Yes, yes, of course, of course. It's a, a popular trope. It's really nice seeing like how much similarity this is with sort of yeah, the yeah, the, kind the of Western uh, culture. It follows like the exact same patterns. There's like so many shared tropes. It's honestly a lot of fun. Um, though, admittedly, 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 the Egyptian priest conspiracy is a new, new wrinkle. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. I really love it. That's it's, a new one. Uh, sounds something like a fresh, breath of fresh air in the, yeah, exactly. all this conspiracy like, stuff. Hey, this is totally new. Uh, I thought I'd heard every conspiracy trope <laughs> that they had in the big old book of them. But turns out, immortal, are, are the Egyptian priests immortal, by the way? 
Oh, so uh, also I want to say that this idea, this uh, conception of public security, was uh, invented by a former KGB general. Ah, uh, of course. Yes, of course, and uh, he was a university no, not teacher but uh, lecturer. So he have uh, some lectures in university in back in the nineties, and now now. He is a neo-pagan mage with the name Miragor. So that's former, a hell of a wizard name. Former yes, KGB and, general, uh, now neo-pagan mage. That's 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 an amazing transition. What yes, was his name again? Uh, Miragor. It's uh, uh, Miragor. Means, right. Yes, it means that someone who uh, measures the mountains. Okay. No, I could absolutely see Conan fighting this guy. And also, it's absolutely that... like some sword and sorcery <laughs> dark wizard name. <laughs> yes, the Tower of yes. Miragor. Uh, Conan must with, flee across with, the steppe with the help to of the retreat the, 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 the onyx eye from the Tower of Miragor. Yes, and also he believes that uh, Putin can save uh, all the Russians oh, from this conspiracy. Yes, it's it's a base. It's a base thing for all conspiracy theories. And the most interesting thing that. Uh, all people in the world are divided on four groups. Okay. On four groups. Okay, and, let's see how uh, racist this gets. 90% of peoples are animals. All right. Oh, okay. Uh, they it's, driven it's by thing. their instincts. they driven by uh, the most uh, primal things. Like, you know, to eat, to fuck, to breed, and uh, yeah. to fight. And all they need uh, is... a. Uh, small guidance from TV or internet that can uh, give them chance to fulfill their urges. Then we have 10% of zombies. Uh, they're driven by uh, propaganda of a global predictor. What is this uh, strange and mysterious entity that <laughs> rules <laughs> Egyptian priests. So uh, they're just beer robots. Uh, something like programmed people who should work and uh, produce goods, produce goods and uh, resources for other groups. The third group is uh, approximately one percent of uh, people in the world are demons. Like you know, uh, not really possessed by demons, uh, but people who use their mind. So when you start to use your mind to get profit, to be successful, right. you became a demon. Yes. Maybe, really, I, I don't think, uh, I don't, don't read so much because I aware to be a bit uh, crazy. <laughs> I should I should go to the... Yes. Yeah, I, I really frightened to death because some, something of this series sounds such crazy. But uh, after a few pages, you go, oh, you know, it's... Uh, Maybe, maybe, maybe they're right. I, I shouldn't read this anymore. But, uh, what, so, the demons are people... The, these arguments about the <laughs> world being ruled by Egyptian priests are really starting to convince me. Yes. It's starting to get under my skin. Uh, something I should... The, the evidence is, it's just, it's so convincing. Some, sometimes, sometimes. Also, it's uh, very... Mm, useful thing when you can blame an ancient Egypt priest and all bad things that happened with you. 
you know. Oh, I mean, I always do that all the time. Yes, yes, yes. It's 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 uh, more convincing and uh, better than blame reptiloids or Jews or anyone. Egyptian priests, you know, the can. I kind of like that as a way to, to try to like move away from. Okay, okay. Yeah, the... All right, I'm gonna make my conspiratorial worldview less racist <laughs> yeah. by putting a non-racially coded layer on okay. top of the existing racially coded one. Because yeah, you you get to keep your entire complex anti-Semitic conspiracy, but you can say, "Oh, the poor Jews—they're just being manipulated, just like the rest of us." Uh, it's it's pretty funny. So uh, you you got we we've been talking about sort of cults for a while. Um, wait 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 wait. Wasn't there four groups? There were four groups. Okay. We got animals, okay, zombies, yeah, yeah. Just, demons. What was the last group? And the true people. Okay, so, yeah, of true, course. Uh, 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 yeah. So, so something like uh, Adam Kadman from Al- Uh It's a um, perfect human. Who driven not by his instincts, not driven by program, not driven even by his mind. Uh, he has some kind of inner light. Yeah, the 0.1% kindest... of people that have actual agency. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, we have uh, such for groups and uh, it's also kind of common for any uh, conspiracy theory that uh, includes some kind of uh, brainwashing and it's not such interesting but uh, the whole other, all other stuff with uh, Egyptian uh, priests with a neo-paganism that in fact a real uh, Christian uh, religion and uh, Jesus was a kind of not Slavs, uh, Slav- Slavic uh, mage but kind of uh, I don't know how to say it there's like a uh, the Christian religion, the old stuff that uh, come from Greece, come from uh, Roman Empire, yeah. are just uh, just warped and uh, like a warped interpretation of something else. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. uh, in fact, uh, the uh, proto-Slavs who have uh, the Slavic paganism are real Christians who follow the tenets of Jesus. It's uh, hard to understand, but uh, literally, these people believe that the wow. Orthodox Church uh, of Russia is a church of Satan. Oh, and, interesting. Uh, the, yes, yeah, because uh, they took uh, interpretation from Roman Empire, from Constantinople, and uh, <clears throat> they just uh, follow the tenets of Satan, because all the mm. Bible is a Satan book. Ah, of course. Yes, yes, of course. And uh, the only pagans know, knows better what Jesus said and what he wants people to do. <laughs> One other thing that I want to say that, uh, you know, uh, as we know from uh, Break Today book, that uh, Max Attack uh, made the uh, anagram Germata. Oh god, are McDonald's the one who's ruling the Egyptian <laughs> priests? I hope so, but no, no, no. Uh, uh, I w- w- speak about Grammarian Gate, uh, uh, the school of magic that works with uh, words. And a gram Germata, Germata or Grammarian Gate, uh, yes. As we know, as we know that Max, uh, Max Attack uh, made the school of magic in modern days. But uh, 
Yes, it's uh, really nice and neat uh, school in English because uh, your language allows uh, some transition in words and uh, a bit easier than Russian. We have a lot of uh, uh, word parts that are not necessary, like, you know, uh, prefixes, postfixes and uh, other stuff and all our languages made of these uh, things. So it's some, some, sometimes it's hard just to... Uh, mess with books, uh, mess with letters, oh, sorry, not books, mess with uh, letters and uh, make the other word. But the most uh, favorite theory in Russia is that Proto-Slavic language is the mother of all other languages. Of course. Of course. Yes. You heard, we heard the same shit in the Finnish episode. Oh, yes. It it this is very this is very common. I remember picking up a book. It's, it's in... common, but it's very favorite. Of course, it's 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 favorite theory of all neo paganists in Russia. You know, we have a former uh, stand up comic uh, Mikhail Zadornov, oh, uh, who uh, became, I think, the greatest lingua freak in Russia. And also, I think that he's connected with the cult underground. And uh, his death isn't just a death. I think it's a magical occult assassination. Because I think he dig out something <laughs> really uh, and really creepy and really and really uh, important for all Russian occult undergrounds. You know, like uh, uh, Grustina town or Arcade town and other old and ancient uh, places of burial and uh, places of living uh, some ancient people. In Russia. So, he was a, a really great person in Russian occult underground, I think. Uh, no doubt. Because his, uh, his researches in Proto-Slavic languages are just something mind-blowing. Do you say he was a stand-up comedian as well? Yes, yes. He was a stand-up comedian. That's, I like the idea of a powerful figure in the occult underground being... A stand-up comedian at the same time. That's really funny to me. That's yeah, a great idea. Yeah. I'll steal that for Ananavis. Like, in this case, it's like a very drastic career change. Like, nope, you're just doing both at the same time. <laughs> Why the hell not? Sure. It's just, it's just Louis C.K. In, in the occult underground or something. <laughs> um, yeah. All those were just rituals, I swear. <laughs> yes, yes, that's it. He's a braviturge. Um <laughs> Oh, God, oh, no. Also, <laughs> oh, I was gonna, I was going to bring up actually one thing, one thing, um, because it what that reminded me the uh, the idea that like every language comes from Proto-Slavic. It is pretty common in it's like probably in India as well. Um, like either they say it's um, the proto like the original language was either Sanskrit or Tamil, depending what part of the country you're in. Um, it's common in China. Interestingly, there was like a Chinese guy who was saying that English clearly comes from Old Chinese, which is an odd thing to say and i was in a bookstore years ago in seoul and i came across a book that was i the whole book was talking about um how ancient koreans left korea and went to mesopotamia and formed the sumerian empire oh so they have some kind of mesopotamian pop music and you know or this is an ancient korean you know like Ah, stupid, stupid joke. So, uh, it's... <laughs> really, uh, the uh, ideas of uh, 
migration of ancient people and connection of languages uh, was the craziest one I heard because there are a lot of uh, channels in Russia uh, in, on Russian languages in, on YouTube uh, that tells, uh, talks about uh, languages and, for example, the connection with uh, Arabic uh, languages or with uh, ancient Norse runes and you just see this and how these people can mix all this information in their heads and then say it without any hesitation or any thought that uh, what the hell I'm just that's that's what we do on this podcast all the time. That's how we, that's, that's the entire podcast. It's just random things. You're just saying it. Uh, oh, with great confidence. Okay. Uh, by the way, I want to warn you because uh, the book uh, where I took uh, all the stuff I said to you previously about priests, Egyptian priests, and uh, other stuff uh, was protected by a mystical curse. For for right. copyright, yes, yes, yes. You, you really start the book, and uh, it's have a copyright uh, disclaimer that uh, told you that mm. it's a property of Russian people, and if you violate uh, the copyright ah. law, you will be punished oh, okay. by God. So we aren't allowed to know that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I just I uh, yes, yes, yes. I hope you will be fine after that, but I should warn you. We have enough wards in this place, I think we'll be okay, but we'll, we'll reset them just to be sure. I, I just need to make a proxy, a, a Russian proxy. How many fucking proxies do you have at this point, man? I, I, you can never have too many. I have a lot of assassins after me. So you also meant uh, the cult that uh, worships the gadget from the Rescue Rangers. Oh yes. yes! Ah, oh yes! Yes, yes. yes. and it's yes, very it's uh, not a real cult. It's uh, like uh, uh, you know, flying uh, pasta monster, macaronian monster. Uh, mm. It's a fake religion, uh, but it's have a great name in Russia. It's called Gaika Slavia. So it's a uh, gadget dogs church. Okay. Okay. So yeah, like like you said, it's like the flying spaghetti monster. Okay. It's a parody religion. Yeah, yeah. So it's huh. see, cause like, not something. So, so, but whenever but... that shows up in like Western media on like articles saying like, "Haha, isn't this wacky?" Like it's always played like it's yeah. some real thing. So that's that's no. good to know, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's fake religion, but I think uh, I just uh, should say that because uh, someone. Say that I'll be dead if I say uh, another thing. So, yes. oh, I see. I see. Cult of gadget ah. isn't something real. There are no Egyptian priests, oh, no reptiloids, uh, no global conspiracy. You know, so just well, only only the chosen yes, are allowed yes. to know the truth of gadgets. Yes. yes. Right, right now, outside Toasty's window, there's a there's a chipmunk with a gun pointed at him, being like, "Don't reveal the secrets." Oh, that, this is I, good I for want... you guys that we know any video. <laughs> why uh, gadget? I could see. I can see why you choose gadget. Gadget is, is a hot chipmunk. But was Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers particularly popular in Russia? Uh, you know, uh, it was a strong period, <laughs> dark times <laughs> in Russia when uh, we, we first. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> to watch Disney. Uh, I mean, hey, you series. know, I can, I can kind of understand, like, you've been isolated from general pop culture for a long yes, fucking yes, time. Yes, yes, yeah. And then for the first time ever, you're exposed to, like, furry bait, and it just breaks your, uh, like, breaks some of your guys' brains a bit. I get that. Well, it was a series that, uh, where did it run? From yeah, like in the 90s. 1989 to 1990. So, so yeah, yeah, right around that, when it's opening up. Makes sense. Yeah, it, you're yeah. totally right. So, but also, Gadget is a super hot. That's yeah, why like you, you, again, you're, you're exposed to furry bait for the first time. <laughs> yeah. and of course, like you've been isolated from oh, no, this no, no. huge, this extremely important cultural progression that's been happening for the past, you know, 30, 40 odd years. And then it. It just floods. You just happens all at once, and you're like, "Oh, okay, of course." Everyone talks about like, "Oh, American blue jeans and rock and roll, and that like the cultural impact, or like Reagan, or all that." Nah, dude, it was Chippendales and Rescue Rangers that that changed everything in Russia. Like it was. <laughs> yes, Rescue Rangers is the most uh, cultural <laughs> uh, impact on Russia. <laughs> but for your information, we have a furious even in Soviet Union, even sexy furious. Uh, if you find some but did kind they of exist? Uh, Soviet animation, but, oh, okay, okay. So even yeah, yeah, <laughs> you even had horny Soviet animators that were channeling it into their work. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, a lot, lot of them, and uh, but. Uh, when the Iron Curtain falls and uh, our cultures it's met, finally, uh, the the yes, dam breaks. A, uh, just <laughs> yeah, dam break. It's, it was a huge. It was very. It 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 it, it, make, uh, it made a great impact uh, on uh, our culture, also. But uh, really, I won't say that Russian animation and Soviet animation was also great, and some, sometimes it was uh, sexy, sometimes it was weird, uh, really weird. When especially, especially when Russian animations uh, animators uh, tried to um, make something based on uh, tales of Soviet people, uh, on tales of uh, Georgian people, tales of Russian, Ukrainian, and other other, so. Sometimes it's really weird, strange, and some, some, sometimes you should uh, just make a few bloody sacrifices just to uh, transcend and uh, reach something, some deep sense in these uh, cartoons. And really, I advise you to find something on YouTube and watch them, even if you uh, don't understand what they say, the visual just make you enlightened. There's been a fair amount of translation of that sort of stuff. Um, I mean, the only Russian animator I'm really familiar with is Yuri Norstein, but I mean, he's respected enough in like the world of animation that uh, a lot of his stuff has been uh, translated, and like you can find interviews with him with oh. English subtitles and whatnot. That's nice. Okay, I think we can stop uh, talking about cults and go to the next. Yeah, well, well, what what is we, we've been at this for uh, an hour now. Look, look, I, and I, I'm just saying that my uh, my search for sexy Soviet furries has brought mixed results. So I'll have to. I imagine to most of them are uh, contemporary. <laughs> no, it seems to be quite a stylistic choice. Uh, sexy Russian furries are contemporary, but uh, podcast is eternal. So yeah, well, yes. right. we, yeah, we are. Yes. We will never we, die. We have one step from the crossing the dangerous line 
something about uh, psi warriors in the government and Russian army. Ooh. All right. Yeah. All right. This is fun stuff. I have a book on this somewhere, but I want to hear from you. <laughs> uh, as I said, some uh, ex-KGB generals were the creators of strange systems of beliefs and uh, like, you know, Egyptian priests and other stuff. But there are also, even in the Soviet Union, uh, there was a lot of psi-warriors, psi-ops projects and uh, other mystical and occult stuff um, that follows Russian army and Russian government uh, even from the 1926. Mm. Uh, one of the first uh, agents of Cheka, uh, it's an extraordinary commission, uh, was um, was found in uh, occultism, so he was a big fan of some mystical and occult shit. So he even uh, was on travel to Tibet mountains uh, to find a Shambhala, the ancient and mystical city of gods. Now I have uh, some notes, so I should. Even say his name. So uh, it's uh, Gleb Boki. Uh, it's uh, one of the first uh, agents of Cheka, and uh, Yakov Blumkin. Uh, he's mentioned as a creator of Soviet intelligence. Uh, so of Soviet intelligence. So uh, they was a real mystics and uh, some kind of occultists and they tried to find uh, a way to use occultism as a weapon and from this time uh, there are a lot of rumors and legends about uh, mind warriors and uh, telepaths uh, sleepers it's uh, mm, special words that means an agent who can sleep and uh, then take a control over mind of other people oh hmm. okay interesting yeah yeah mm, like uh, you know uh, the sleeper or in other words operator mm, uh, was connected with uh, George Bush senior and Madeleine Albright uh, to uh, gather some uh, secret information like you know uh, <clears throat> a lot of uh, our politics now uh, said that Madeleine Albright uh, t uh, told that it's not unfair that uh, Russia have such amount of uh, resources like uh, Sibir and uh, all we know that this words a lie it's just uh, imaginary quotation uh, that take uh, roots in the spy ops corps of Russian army uh, so like sleepers uh, found this information in the mind of Madeleine Albright and now it's uh, used like a clue 
why uh, the evil Union West, United West, want to destroy and crush Russia. And, you know, it sounds <laughs> uh, funny as fuck, because you really can say that uh, secret uh, telepaths of uh, Russian army uh, found that evidence of global conspiracy about, against Russia. Uh, but but this uh, influence are very strong. Uh, there are a lot of. Uh... I like the idea that like uh, there's some guy in the Soviet like psi warfare program back in the day who's not a psychic, but he tells them, "Oh no, I'm totally a sleeper." And then he just starts making up stories. It's just like, oh yeah, this is what Madeline Albright is dreaming of. This is what George Senior is they're dreaming of. And then it becomes a, an actual conspiracy believed at the highest levels. And he's like, oh no, this is a problem. And that's about what yeah, happened uh, with like the United States mind control experiments. It's true. So like, yeah, that, that doesn't sound at all out of the question. Yes, there was few astral wars uh, between <laughs> West and East, so I think... Oh yeah, they happen in the uh, Dreamlands, this... obviously. Yes, 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 all of the, the psychic weapon are working. Uh, no one sees it they exists, but it's working, it's uh, uh, striking, and it's used on the astral wars, of course, of yeah. course. I even know the uh, names of uh, generals and veterans of this Astral Wars in Russia. It's uh, Georgi Ragozin and Boris Ratnikov. So they uh, are those people who 2006 uh, was in the government and uh, they was in the security. Uh, they, 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 <coughs> they guard the president. They were the, uh, not the security oh, the themselves, not the bodyguards. Yes, but they control uh, uh, the special service that uh, secure and bodyguard it, uh, the president. So, uh, extrasenses, mystics, uh, psychics and other are very popular in uh, Russian government uh, since uh, end of the Soviet Union. It's a fact that a lot of uh, such people uh, was... Uh, on a salary, literally on a salary uh, within government. Uh, maybe you heard something about uh, torsion fields. Oh, torsion fields, I've heard them. Yeah, yeah, it's a popular theory that comes from Russia. Uh, two scientists uh, try to make uh, some kind of special theory uh, and just make money on it. Uh, but the joke comes too far. And uh, torsion fields are scientific, scientific key for telepathy and other mind tricks. So uh, they really make few uh, researches on government, on government money, that tries to make uh, something core channel between minds of people. So even now, even now, uh, a lot of uh, oligarchs in Russia also use horoscopes and uh, uh, other uh, popular mystic stuff in their um, mm. modern life. Yes, it's uh, literally normal. We have uh, I I don't know why, but uh, Russians have a cult of Vanga. 
Of who? What? Uh, Vanga. It's a Bulgarian uh, oh, okay. foresighted uh, woman, and Russians yeah, yeah, yeah. literally love them, love her. Uh, she's... Wait, I think yeah, I think I know who you mean. The old lady. Yeah, I know what which one you mean. Why is she so popular in Russia? I don't know. Literally, I don't know. I wonder <laughs> why, but uh, there are cult of Wanga. Uh, Wanga says, said that uh, Russia will uh, won the third, uh, World War Third. Uh, Wanga said that uh, planet will die in a few years. I don't know why she's so popular. But even uh, when we have some kind of interviews with uh, psychic warriors of Russian army, uh, we have headings like the... Uh, Wanga soldier, or you know, uh, last year it was uh, really on TV. Uh, there was interview with uh, ex-Russian soldier and uh, uh, veteran of Astral Wars, <laughs> and the TV program was called Grandfather Wanga. And why? Why you choose that name? In first, you uh, really showing us a bullshit about a special army uh, corps uh, that uh, includes ten uh, people with enhanced minds that can uh, telepathically uh, sneak in the mind of other people and gather uh, intelligence. Intelligence, and why use word uh, name of Vanga? Why? What's wrong with you guys? So uh, because that's what people recognize. It's the it's maybe, the brand. Maybe. Yeah, um, you 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 just kind of reach for so the first thing that comes to mind, and then before you know it, it ends up being the foundation of your entire professional identity. Oh, that's funny. Oh, also, uh, from the wars of these uh, people who fought on the Austral Wars, uh, we definitely can say that corpse of female telepaths fought on the wars on Chechnya in the early 90s. So okay. we have For some sure. kind of yeah we we have some kind of uh, psionic valkyries in Russian army so uh, I think they will uh, play their role in any other conflicts but you know it's really fearsome you can cannot be safe even in your mind and Russian army is uh, can sleep in your thoughts and uh, maybe like an Inception film make you believe in something. So beware, beware. So what were the what were they doing the the psychic uh, lady corpse in Chechnya? Like what were they doing to help the Russians win uh, in Chechnya? Intelligence they taking over, entering the minds of oh, the uh, Chechen fighters. We know that uh, they. Yep, okay. <clears throat> they were made for intelligence. We also... There was a special project uh, where telepaths was uh, board, onboarded on an air fighter fly, uh, uh, fly, uh, flight around uh, territory of an enemy and gather psionic uh, information from the territory. It's a kind of uh, new age of airborne intelligence. So, mm. yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's also a common thing in uh, any uh, government. Now I'm thinking, like, what could they still be doing now um, if they're still, if that uh, <laughs> corpse still exists? And I'm thinking about, and I'm remembering a book I read a long uh. time ago 
um, Everything's Possible, Nothing is True, which is a book by a British guy working in Russia in the 90s as a journalist. And he was studying how some... uh, There was a whole bunch about how um, human trafficking was working in Russia at the time um, and how everyone needed a job. And I'm imagining... And I'm thinking of uh, Chechen leader uh, Ramzan Mm -hmm. Kadyrov. And I'm thinking... Do the are the Russian are the Russian um, psychic <laughs> ladies still in his head when he sleeps? Is this why he likes Putin so much? <laughs> possible. Yeah, it's possible. I think nowadays it's all, all is possible. <laughs> so, by the way, for about uh, about uh, psionics in the Russian Spetsnaz now, uh, literally, there are still people who say that uh, there are a lot of mystics and uh, psionics psyops. Uh, in Russian army, uh, like you know, literally, and two weeks ago, two weeks ago, uh, there was a small interview with uh, some of uh, guys who come back from uh, Ukrainian Ukra- uh, Ukraine right now, and uh, one of them literally said that uh, he is uh, one who research delta waves. I don't know what the delta waves means, but uh, he said that uh, he used it in the uh, his uh, in fights. Yes, also, and uh, he can uh, survive any psychic strike uh, because his brain uh, is surrounded by a thick layer of liquids. And yeah, so oh. it's a. Uh, Sounds really strange if you know something about brain and liquids around it, but uh, it's really strange because even now. Uh, See, I'm the ultimate soldier yeah. because of, I have hydrocephalus. <laughs> so, something like I don't. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a bit offensive, but oh, yeah, you're right. So and uh, really, there are a lot of a lot of information uh, from the first day of war uh, that includes some kind of. Uh, satanic soldiers of Ukrainian wars uh, that really enchant their weapons <laughs> with some satanic symbols. And yeah, oh, wow! Literally, right. uh, uh, we have a few photos of some kind of um, sacrificial site with a small of uh, small uh, altar and uh, satanic screamings on the world, and it was uh, like. It is a position of Ukrainian soldiers uh, where they enhance their weapon uh, with the black magic. And that doesn't surprise me that these stories are going around. That makes sense. It fits the um, the narrative that I've been hearing from the Russian side. So it makes sense. Yeah. So you, you see, the all stories are true because <laughs> anything that uh, you can find in uh, oh, yeah. uh, Russian uh, uh, info fields in Russian uh, media is connected with a great conspiracy <laughs> I think really you think why I think that uh, Egyptian priests can be real and really rule the world because all things they, 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 yes everything connected. connected they fit each other <laughs> very good <sighs> so I had a question actually about because you mentioned like government officials and things uh, like they're doing the horoscope and all this sort of like standard sort of occult stuff. But I was reading earlier in a book, but it's more about it was more about 90s Russian occult stuff. But there was a reference to a kind of it wasn't horoscope, 
but you would go to a person and they would tell you the number of guardian angels that you have and like what guardian angels you have and what that meant. Have you heard anything oh, about uh, this? Guardian angels and other stuff is uh, very popular in Russia still. Uh, it's not uh, something uh, special for 90s, but... That's interesting. Yeah. Also, uh, I, I'm also when I was young, I also know the name of my guardian angel and uh, the name of the saint who uh, protects me and other stuff. It's it's a part of our culture. So really, some uh, people who believe in God, uh, who attend the church, uh, literally believe that uh, there are some kind of guardian angels, and it's not something outstanding. <laughs> Especially for nineties, yeah, because I, it's a it's a kind of horoscope which I I don't think is common in Western countries. So I thought it was interesting. I've never heard of someone having more than one guardian angel. That's what stands out to me about it. Uh, sometimes you have an uh, yeah, you can just have few guardian angels because uh, you know I I, I think it's. Uh, Strange. What's the significance of that? Is it like you're more protected? Is there any sort of obligation involved with a greater oh, number of guardians? No obligations. Is it just... some level of piety? <laughs> no, it's. I think just uh, kind of over protect protecting you yourself. Like I have a more guardian yeah. angels and uh, more situation when I can rely on the gods and his uh, uh, mm. angelic army. So uh, okay, okay, just just like that. What what happens if you go to the psychic or go to the person and they say you don't have any guardian angels at all? You have zero. Like, what do you do in that situation? You know, when uh, some Russian uh, mystics say that you haven't got something, like, you know, you have no, you have zero guardian angels or you have a curse on you, they just want to. Take your money. Sure. In all stuff, they, they, they perform some kind of ritual and then take all your, of your money. And uh, uh, when you can't pay them, they go, okay, I just tear all of what I have done. And you still have no guardian angel. It's a kind of uh, mystical business in Russia and it's very yep. popular sure. right now. Sure. Really, uh, I have a good uh, film about it, a good documentary film about it. Uh, it's called uh, "Going to Hell" in Russia. In, in Russia, it's called к черту," but in English, it will be some kind of "Going to Hell" about uh, the whole industry of uh, mystics and occultists in Russia because it's very popular and became very popular uh, after the start of uh, TV show. It's called "Битва экстрасенсов," uh, something kind of battle of psionics. Uh, where people who pretend they're real chargers and checkers and have some kind of uh, occult power uh, try to uh, decide who is the best. And you know, there was ton of jokes. Okay, uh, you gather 50 psionics, mediums and others and the whole show should end after the first 15 minutes like you know they stare at each other and then one of them raises his hand okay okay i won and does it. oh yeah yeah he will won he's a winner gives him oh. and, uh, all the end but but this show lasts for 20 years and active 
now. Damn. And each year, each season, they find the new best psychic of Russia. And all these people literally use this show like a kind of advertisement. And now they have business on it. A ton of books, of shitty books, really shitty books. A ton of uh, shows on TV and especially tons of uh, call centers where you can call and someone on other uh, side of the phone can remove a curse, curse on you uh, or help you to make some love potion uh, but uh, on a distance to make some, some other to love you. And it's uh, still popular in Russia, like... Uh, I think the same shit is uh, in America and other countries with... Uh, it de- definitely is, like, phone psychics and stuff like that, definitely. But I think, like, curse removal and love potions is less common, don't you think, Prank? Um... Still, I mean, still there, you, still there. Depends. It's still there. It it's not something you'd like see on like a, from a TV psychic, definitely. But I mean, I, I'd argue like s- spiritual healing has like a lot of overlap with curse sure. removal and is arguably like yeah, the same true. concepts, just with ter- different terminology. Love potions, less so. Like you'll you'll see a lot of um, uh, the psychics and whatnot um, mediums blessing, giving like people's blessings of love. But not the sort of thing where it's like, okay, drink this, or sneak it into this person's drink, and they will love you. Yeah, yeah. we still have some uh, kind of poisons. Literally, uh, such uh, psychics and mediums and uh, TV spiritualists uh, can give you a recipe of love poison. (laughs) And it's... uh, kind of weird. I wouldn't be surprised if some of them are legitimately effective aphrodisiacs. Uh, no, 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 no effort. Those do exist. Like weird stuff, like uh, guana and uh, ashes from love letters and other stuff. It's not okay. definitely not an aphrodisiac. Also, okay. we have a strange. Okay. Tra- it sounds like gutter magic to me, like making up. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. These it's, symbolic it's, elements. It's definitely a gutter magic, but uh, it's kind of a bit. Um, Repeatable. If a gutter magic uh, is a one-time trick. But, okay, so if you're a phone psychic and you are teaching people how to do gutter magic, you could do the same thing over and over again because they're using the ritual for the first time, can't they? Yeah, yeah. I think. Because you can only use a gutter magic ritual once, but you could teach it to other people and they could use it once themselves. I know, I like the idea of someone... A phone psychic who just knows gutter magic and is just teaching people how to do gutter magic over the phone is funny to me. Makes sense. We also have a long tradition of um, special healers and witches in Russia. Uh, in Russian, calls babka. Uh, that can be translated like old lady or grandmother, something like that. Um, so, this is uh, literally old-fashioned witches. Who live uh, in uh, villages, uh, in woods, in lonely cabins. Literally, sometimes it's a lonely cabin in the wood. And they help you to heal some diseases. Even cancer or HIV and other stuff. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people just uh, used to go to woods, 
to uh, abandoned villages and uh, seek for such witches. And this tradition is uh, alive even nowadays, literally. And they uh, transit their knowledges uh, from generation to generation. Uh, literally, they, in their rituals are more like gutter magic because uh, they are they trying to make it personal. It's uh, take some stuff like like from the book, yeah. Uh, they should uh, take something that represents you, represents your goal, uh, represents the target of uh, ritual, and some other stuff that can be um, associated with the action you want to perform. I like that as like um, if you're running a, a game, a UA game set in Russia, and you're starting off from a very low level, so people don't know uh, much sure. about magic to start. Starting with the gutter magic from the Witch in the Woods is pretty Hey, cool. you, you don't need to have that in Russian. You can have that fucking anywhere, really. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Lady on the edge of the trailer park taught you gutter magic when you were 16. <laughs> in exchange for a six-pack. <laughs> also, uh, one of the occultist, uh, occult and uh, conspiracy thing about Russia is a, a bunch of closed cities. Uh, in the Soviet Union, we have uh, in the Soviet Union we have a lot of closed cities that uh, was uh, designated to be a special military objects. There are a lot of uh, cities that closed even now, and we didn't know what uh, happened in these towns and cities all across the Russia. People are not allowed to visit them sometimes. Uh, and sometimes people from these uh, towns and cities are not allowed to go out, uh, even with a special uh, recommendation. Or... So they just live all their lives in uh, one town without any chance to uh, have an even internet. Or sometimes when uh, restrictions are not so harsh, uh, a normal internet. And there are literally a lot of special military objects. Uh, I live in town, uh, not in a small town, it's a, it a city, third uh, city population and territory in Russia. And nearly in 20 kilometers from the town, I have a closed military object. Res uh, people researched uh, diseases and making medicines and kind of new viruses. Uh, it's known that uh, this lab was the one of a lab that hosted an uh, Ebola strain uh, to research it. So uh, there are a lot of such uh, towns and uh, objects across Russia and nobody knows what they're doing. Like maybe really the uh, jars and tanks uh, fill it with uh, boiling and bubbling water and uh, where we grow the uh, clones of Stalin. <laughs> That's it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go like that with um, you know, unknown armies, maybe. But like, like in, from a mundane point of view, you'd say, okay, these cities have some science, science or military use. The other alternative is I could just see them having like a skeleton crew these days. Like they're, they're barely even staffed. Yes, I, I really, uh, I'm really love uh, the idea of closed objects and even use one of this uh, yeah. in my yeah. campaign uh, or in my campaigns that uh, take place in Russia. 
yes, uh, I have uh, two uh, big campaigns uh, in unknown armies that take place in Russia. Uh, both of them were ingenious, so I just uh, mm. wrote them for my players. So uh, I hope I use Fort Ingenious right. Uh, one take place in my hometown, and it was. Uh, we have a dark page in story of my town uh, when it was uh, built for first time. Mm. It was a town for uh, railroaders uh, because um, my city stands on a, a Trans-Siberian railroad and it was the focal point for crossing the river and it was very important for uh, building this railroad. And in the beginning, in the early 20s of the last century, it is the pandemic of typhus and uh, typhus, yes. And a lot of people just died. There are no graveyards, no special uh, morgues or other uh, buildings that can handle with it. And uh, literally piles of dead bodies was on the main street where doctors examine them. So I love the story because it's creepy. It's kind of have good connection with some some. Uh, occultistic because the town, the, the, my city was built on uh, really wild places in the heart of the C Siberia, and uh, I think that the such kind of uh, sacrifice of human uh, human vein can reap the space time and uh, make a kind of uh, other space sure. filled with uh, virulent. This is, this. and I use uh, literally a uh, secret object, uh, the vector medicine lab, uh, and the scientists in this lab uh, used other space to have uh, material for their researches. So, and they make new medicine, new pills, uh, spread in this town. Uh, look for people and then uh, kill them. After they take pills and uh, after the scientists uh, get their data, and uh, the group of um, players uh, was uh, uh, kind of anonymous uh, narcos uh, who just tried to get on their bright path and uh, broke uh, break out uh, break with uh, uh, drugs but uh, their creator was killed and they tried to uh, find why it's a kind of uh, common story kind of a basic story sure. and but i love simple uh, plots so it was good and uh, give me a chance to uh, meet people with uh, occult underground of my city because for example we have a ghost uh ghost airport we can say this uh let me name it a ghost we airport have, yes yes it's, it's a, uh just imagine it's a long street straight with no uh curves no crosses because uh it was uh destined to be an additional line to accept the planes that can be sent here during the World War II with uh, uh, special supplies and uh, 
people. Because uh, in that time we have no uh, good airport in town. So this street was literally made for planes. And I also love this story and I have a special uh, airport for demons in my town where people can find ghosts, demons and other strange stuff uh, that gathers here and it was something like a lobby <laughs> for all uh, supernatural identities. Even There was even a demon, a demon plane, literally a demon plane they met. <laughs> Uh, Toasty, we might want to start uh, trying to wrap up. Okay. Like okay, yes. ten in the next ten minutes or so. Okay. Uh, let's cover uh, other questions. Yes, uh, but do it fast. So you don't you don't have to cover all of these as if you don't want to. You can cover what is most interesting. Okay. Okay. Mm, yes. Uh, so a few words about Dugan and uh, his. Oh, of course. Books. Of course. Yes. Uh, Dugan is a, some kind of. Uh, Russian fascistic occultist, and he mentioned it by himself. Does he actually have that much like influence over like parts of the Russian government? Because like that that's sort of the rumor, but I always sort of take that sort of uh, idea with a grain of salt. Uh, no, no, his connection with Russian government. Okay, it, it, it's a rumor because uh, Dugin mm, is a kind of of a freak, <laughs> freak. <laughs> and also he oh, uh, he. His statements that uh, stated, oh, sorry, sorry, he stated, uh, he mentioned that uh, no one in uh, government really understands his books. Sure, all right. Even they read them, they don't understand it. So uh, Dugan is a kind of freak, kind of occultist. He have uh, his strange mix of uh, fascist ideology and uh, religion and occultism and mysticism. But uh, it's not a big deal, really. It is kind of a friend figure. He is a good uh, yes. Uh, he's a charismatic. He's a good uh, demagogue, but uh, he is not ideology leader in Russia. So uh, masks for Russian masks for existing archetypes. You know, uh, we in Russia love the image of fool. I think that fool is the most favorite and most common uh, archetype in Russia, because uh, even Russian tales uh, focused on image of some somebody who is a bit lighthearted, uh, not sophisticated, and who can do the stuff. Uh, even, uh, you know, uh, we uh, often we have uh, three brothers as a protagonist of tales, uh, and uh, the main protagonist is a third brother, the little one, and his name is often, is literally fool. Uh, it means, uh, it, in Russian it calls Durak, so it's fool in English. Uh, we love this. Alright, yes, so this. masks of the fool in Russia include fool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, 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 not full. No, it's a, a yes, it's full. It's full. It's a common tale character, just uh, like uh, someone a bit lazy, a bit stupid, but uh, cunning somehow. And it's <laughs> uh, really his name is full. Uh, also, uh, we like uh, some kind of archetypes of a dark horse. I know that a uh, lot of. Um, People and uh, other cultures love uh, uh, this idea of some hero who is uh, 
just stay in shade of other until the end of story. But uh, this is uh, maybe one of the f other favorite archetype in Russia. Uh, we have a national hero, uh, a bogatyr, uh, some kind of uh, mystical knight, a mythic knight, uh, Ilya Murmitz. And his story begins that he is 30 and uh, 33 years, he just lay home and do nothing. And all the Russia was in the war with uh, the enemy. It's uh, some kind of uh, mix of all uh, Mongolian tribes, period of uh, Mongolian invasion in Russia. So uh, 33 years of his life, this character just lying and do nothing. You know, uh, 33, I think uh, there are three months also, but uh, Russian legends don't say exactly what <laughs> about it. But uh, then he just stand, found a magic sword and go to kill all his enemies. Uh, and it's also very popular archetype in Russia because we love the stories of such, not losers, but uh, shady figures that do nothing until the hour Zero is come. Uh, Interesting. It's not. It's not my time yet. I'm still sleeping. Very relatable. Yes. Uh, and Adam School uh, of Russia. Uh, you know, we all uh, waiting for this hour. Yes, Deep Samanti is uh, <laughs> Deep Samanti <laughs> is a critical school in Russia. <laughs> oh yeah, Deep Samanti. Yes, because, because no, I did. Of, of course. Yes. It's it sounds like an uh, stereotype, but uh, no, no, we really we have a lot of tradition uh, that connects with drinking, and uh, you know it's just a way to handle with the uh, horrors of uh, transition period in Russia. I think most like northern cultures have somewhat of a drinking culture just because well yeah yeah it's something that you can do for fun it's called while staying indoors and it keeps you warm yes yes but you know uh no non-alcoholic uh beverages are better <laughs> for keeping you warm because uh they don't uh, don't have debuffs of alcohol yeah they don't dehydrate you as much but it makes you feel warm yes. in the short term and that's what matters yeah, you feel warm and you have some strange yes. magic powers, so <laughs> who knows? So, drunken is a kind of uh, national idea. It's a bit offensive, but we can say so. And uh, Dipsomancy is uh, one of the central schools in Russia. Also, we love uh, bureaucracy, and uh, schools that uh, work with the bureaucracy are also very important in Russia, because nothing, we love nothing more than following rules as written. Like, you know, if you break the rules, it will be very, very bad, and the sun will never rise again. But on the other hand, we hate rules, we spit on them, and uh, we literally dislike to follow the rules. And this dictomy, this dualism is uh, uh, also core uh, for Russians. I think uh, if there are really big school of uh, that based on bureaucracy, uh, it should be, should take its roots in Russia or in China, you know, with their uh, connection of earthly law and heavenly law. So, uh, 
the principle of alchemy, like uh, what's above, so what's below, and what's below is what's above, is a critical for such uh, school. And this one, I hope and I believe, is also uh, existing in Russia, and it's very strong here. I could see an adept school based around, like, bureaucratic procedure, like you get minor charges by submitting forms filled out incorrectly, that sort of deal. Yes, yes. Yes, you know, and when you have uh, some uh, a road sign, you can make it like a, a protective circle yep, against evil. You know, gain stop sides that uh, not allows demon to uh, sneak in your house or something like that. Yeah, I believe that uh, this school can be in Russia because sometimes we have a very stupid rules, but it something works. about like finding finding holes in uh, bureaucratic procedure, like you get a major charge by yeah, yeah. By taking advantage of a law in such a way that was totally, like, unforeseen. So now they have to change the law to be to accommodate for, maybe. for that act. Like, so you are maybe charging up from finding loopholes yeah. in the laws, the things that you can use. So it combines both the, the feeling of, like, wanting to follow the rules yeah. and also wanting to break the rules yeah. because you're finding the gaps yeah. and then charging up and then... That's fun. And you, of course, taboo if you ever yeah, yeah, yeah. actually oh. break the law. That's it. You have to follow the rules. You have to follow the rules as much as they're written. So you want to find those holes in the rules. Yeah, yeah. you can yeah. abuse yeah. Uh, loopholes in the law or in any contract or as an official uh, document, but uh, you cannot break them. That's great. As written. Yeah. That's that's good. There's definitely a school to be found there. I, think. Yes. I, I like the idea of a bureaucrat, a, a bureaucracy mage, like running from people in a foot chase, and then just casts, um, just uses a formula spell and a stop sign, so the people like chasing him have to stop, and for a minute, and they go, "Fuck, we have to chase him again." Bureaucracy, bureaucracy. It's pretty good. Yeah, bureaucracy. Either either all works. I think bureaucracy has a bit more of that ring to it. I have said a few words about uh, canon groups uh, that can be presented in Russia. Most of the groups are too American-centrical. Like, you know, uh, the New Inquisition is a, a, a great corporation that have uh, his fingers in all the pies in America and have a lot of money to operate them. Nowadays, I think that okay. Uh, my uh, favorite group is the cult uh, sect of uh, Nect Gods. Uh, I think it's the most powerful player in occult underground of all the world because, despite of uh, their lack in firepower, their numbers and they survive. They survive uh, all this time. And they survived all this time. Uh, they have uh, survived the Whisper War. Then Sleepers, Sleepers, fell apart and became some kind of uh, uh, a group uh, that kills people. Yeah. And Song, pretty much, is openly distribute the image of their goddess on the internet, and nobody comes for them. And nobody kills them. And all uh, members of Song uh, from 2nd edition have survived to the 3rd edition. 
and I think it's a measure of their power. Still, there was 50 Pornomancers in the second edition, 50 Pornomancers in the third edition. Reasonable argument. So, and they, yes, only 50 uh, Pornomancers in both editions, and they haven't uh, recruited new members uh, for their school. But they have created two schools, so Pornomancy and uh, Motomancy in the third edition uh, is a, a babies of a sect of naked goddess. Uh, they bring up new archetype, so the naked goddess, and it's great. It's the most powerful group <laughs> in the world. So, and as they use internet to di distribute their uh, beliefs, they're differently representing Russia because uh, Russia and porn is uh, also a great deal. I think the porn is an international thing that connects all points. So we can. It unifies all of humanity. Under one yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, slippers uh, may, represent, may, may be re represented in Russia because uh, slippers are also a worldwide organization. But, you know, uh, as they works, they read uh, newspapers, sniffing around, trying to kill somebody. Uh, I don't think that there are a lot of slippers. But uh, back in the 90s, we have a bunch of uh, really gruesome uh, murders. So, maybe one of them were a work of slippers. I was playing in a, uh, not an Anaris game, but a game sort of set in a similar setting, set in basically Russia. And, um, you know, whenever you're doing sort of an urban fantasy game, you need to come up with some sort of logic for why does the average person not really know about this sort of stuff, right? Um, and why do they not freak out when they encounter it? Well, why does the tiger stay asleep? Why does the masquerade stay up, etc.? And I really liked um, this game's excuse for that, which was, you know, in this setting, when you encounter something supernatural, it's none of your fucking business. Keep your head down and walk away. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't worry uh, about just, it. Just ignore just it and ignore it won't it. be your problem. 